Welcome back to the Scarlet Fever, the Daily Nebraskans' own sports podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Meyer, and alongside with me, as always, is my co-host, Anthony Rubeck. Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about a couple big matchups oh, yeah. taking place this week. Absolutely. It is Iowa week. It's Wisconsin week. It's Thanksgiving week. Lots to dive into. But first, we'll dive into the best thing you saw this week. Anthony, you can start us off. Hit me. Uh, yeah, the best thing I saw this week uh, has to be Nebraska volleyball. They swept Iowa on Sunday to win to win the Big Ten championship outright. They have gone, haven't lost obviously all year, undefeated season so far. And the one thing that really stood out to me is the match was in Iowa City. Mm-hmm. Iowa was having a blackout <laughs> for their little promotion here for the game. <laughs> little promotion, some and might still. Say. The big red showed out. Yeah. Stands just covered in red. Really strong showing from Husker fans making the trip all the way out to Iowa City. Just really proves how great the fans are, how good they follow all these sports, especially volleyball, obviously. Just a very successful year for them, and Sunday just proved it in another way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could have stopped. We, we'll dive into this a little bit later, but we were out in Madison for the Wisconsin game last weekend. Could have stopped at the volleyball game on the way home, but we were a little bit tired. I'm assuming some people did that, though, and, and catch, caught both games in one weekend. The best thing I saw this week is very similar, related to that Iowa game. I'm not sure if you saw the Trophy Gate kind of scandal that was going down. I did see that. Uh, credit to Aaron Sorensen. I saw this on Twitter. <laughs> but the trophy that they handed them was an older, outdated trophy. It didn't have Rutgers or Maryland on it. It looked to be... Kinda not outdated. It had a sticker that said Nebraska over something else, and so people are wondering, is this the trophy they're giving Nebraska? Did they pull pull one outside from Iowa's trophy case? Eventually, the the uh, Big Ten spokesperson said that they just used one because Nebraska already had the other trophy back in Lincoln. So I guess that makes sense. But I thought that was pretty funny. Still, don't really understand why they would do that and give the tro- – I guess they give the trophy once you win it a portion of it, not the outright, but um, they didn't have one on hand. So that was the best thing I saw this week. Absolutely incredible uh, environment there in Iowa City to win the Big Ten Championship outright, still undefeated. Wisconsin goes down uh, this week to Purdue. So it is kind of – I don't think – I think Wisconsin's fifth now in the ABCA poll. So – there's a chance that they end up in the same region as Nebraska, which would not be ideal. I know it's tough to beat a team three times. We'll see if they can do it this weekend. Uh, Nebraska travels to Madison this weekend, this Friday, for a Black Friday volleyball match. So the football team went there on last Saturday. Volleyball team moves there this Friday. Hopefully it'll be a different result for the volleyball team because, as we'll, as we'll get into a little bit later, not a great weekend for Husker football but we did make the trip. Me and Anthony and two of our multimedia staff traveled out to Madison, and it was a great trip. It was our first time, you know, our first time staying over the night in another place to catch a catch a Husker football game. Felt like a little bit of professional journalism. I'm not gonna lie, it was a fun time. Um, you know, what, what was your favorite memory from the trip, Anthony? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's just an incredible experience. I've Never been to a Nebraska game outside of Memorial Stadium before, so just being able to see a road atmosphere mm-hmm. for a Big Ten school a rival is just was just a great experience. Uh, 
Camp Randall is kind of a maze, kind of. Oh yeah. Not really. Don't really like the way it's set up, <laughs> but uh, it's still it was still was just a great atmosphere. A lot better than I was expecting going into it from a Wisconsin team that mm-hmm. is having a down year compared to years past. But yeah, obviously, jump around exceeded my expectations. I mean, that was just a wild moment. The mm-hmm. press box was shaking. It was like <laughs> we they started jumping during a song. Uh, it was Cotton Eye Joe earlier. They started <laughs> jumping, and we could kind of feel it shaking, and we're like. This is not going to go well during jump route. And I, it genuinely felt like an earthquake. Like, I don't know how they structurally built that press box. It seems like the press box was added on a lot later than the, the second deck of Camp Randall. So it's like at the back of the second deck. And so you're like, I'm pretty sure we were just suspended over midair. Yeah. I don't know if there was any... <laughs> You support beams? I'm sure there wasn't if we Didn't were shaking like that it. much. Uh, but it, it was it was a little scary, but it, it was definitely fun. My lemonade was dancing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, Madison was fun. Like you said, Camp Randall, an absolute maze. They, It was weird because, you know, at Lincoln, you don't have to – you have to get your bag checked. But at Wisconsin, they had a, a drug dog <laughs> checking our bags, which I thought was hilarious. Keeping us in check. Uh, that they're checking the media <laughs> with a drug dog. But they didn't have to go through the bag, so I guess that may have saved some time there got in the media entrance is on the other side of the stadium from the press box so we try to find our way we ask like every event staff none of them know where we're going we had to go like through the crowd up through the first level into the back down an elevator up it was a mess and then they don't let you on the field unless you're a photo photo uh reporter so you know, normally after at the end of the game, all the all the Nebraska reporters go down to the field, catch the last couple minutes from the field. You were not able to do that. You I, had to watch from from the, the ramp. The ramp that it just it got one side of the field good, the other side no. not as well. There was just bleachers in the way. It was the side where Nebraska was driving, and when Tristan Alvano was on to kick the potential game tying field goal, uh, me and the other reporters just had to crowd up <laughs> all on the left side. Just so we can get a glimpse of just, if his kick would be good or not. I don't understand that. I, I I get they maybe don't want that many people in the field, but it works at Nebraska, and it's the same th- like it's the same deal. Uh, so I, I'd be interested to understand why they do that. But yeah, that, I would I would have been kind of frustrated <laughs> if I were you in that position. Um, and then I did my stand up after the game, but they still wouldn't let you on like 20, 30 minutes after the game. The event staff was still being super strict. Uh, so the st- we had to do the stand-up like 50 minutes after the game ended. They had this thing called the fifth quarter where the Wisconsin band comes out after for like 45 minutes and just <laughs> performs on the field. They were doing like dances and it was like not your typical routine. They were running up and down the field, like falling over, jumping up and down, spinning in circles. And the whole, st- not the whole student section, but a good like 20% of the student section stayed for 45 minutes after the game dancing in the student section they were doing like swing dancing and like i don't i don't even know what they were doing it was wild i've never seen anything like that i mean i guess in a win i haven't witnessed many wins at our place but even after a win i feel like the student section clears out pretty quickly wisconsin stuck around for a while that may be because they don't show up for 45 minutes into the (laughs) game but nebraska had a 14 to 0 lead and the wisconsin student section was about 10 percent full they show up late i don't you know their their party houses are right on next to the campus or right next to the stadium. So maybe they're 
uh, they're hanging out there for a little too long, but it filled in around the second quarter. And like you said, jump around was fun. The atmosphere was great. I like they did a lot more like fan involvement than I think we do here. And I don't know if that's just because they've been better and so the fans are more involved, but like a lot more songs and a lot more stadium just energy and vibe. Even for a five and five team on a frigid night against another five and five team, it, it felt like a pretty good atmosphere. I wasn't that impressed with the stadium. I just like I was expect Camp Randall's always been so hyped up from the national media that I was expecting it to be more you know impressive than Memorial Stadium. I thought it's either on par or less than Memorial Stadium, and I've never even seen a good team play at Memorial Stadium, so I, I wasn't impressed in that factor. But definitely a, a cool venue. Fun time. Uh, Madison's a cool city. We didn't get to explore too much just because we got in before the game and didn't get out of the stadium until 2 a.m., but awesome experience. I'm excited for the future and traveling around and, and doing that. Um, but let's talk about the game itself. Let's talk about the positives first. How about we? Because there's a <laughs> yeah. lot of negatives and there's a lot to discuss. Number one positive for me, Chubba Purdy. What do you think of his performance? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously – Throughout the whole year, he's just been that third guy behind Jeff Sims and Heinrich Harburg. He uh, doesn't really get a chance until the last drive of the Maryland game. Goes down 90 yards, nearly leads a scoring drive, but ends up throwing a pick in the end zone. But even, even with the pick, we all kind of saw just, okay, he was able to do something that at this point, especially in the last couple of weeks, the two other yeah, guys in no front of him been weren't been able to do. So I thought it was – he was for sure the right guy to go mm-hmm. go with going into this game, and he really proved that, obviously, with the first two drives, two 50-plus-yard touchdowns, one with his legs, the other with his arm. And even even if, say, the offense did stall out for majority of the game after that, I think he's put in probably the best quarterback performance since maybe Harburg against non-conference yeah, teams. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he limited turnovers. He didn't throw a pick until the very last play of the game, which I don't. You, that doesn't you can count. Deal with that. Yeah. Fourth and nineteen. But yeah, I think that he really he really proved a lot on Saturday and kind of raised some questions on why wasn't he playing sooner. Mm-hmm. Something that rule told him about during the week is that you want to have a performance. Why they're questioning mm-hmm. why you weren't playing. So I was really impressed with him. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to look at like. Man, Maryland, he plays like that the whole game. I don't think he turns the ball five times turns the ball over five times. That was the most impressive thing to me was like he had every chance to throw a pick in that Wisconsin game. And he didn't until the end, which again, like fourth down, needing a something to happen, and it was just a little overthrown. I'm not a huge deal. The one against Maryland was a little more egregious, but like he got, drives down the field against Maryland. Second, first half, drives down the field, needing a field goal. They ended up missing. At the end of the game, drives down the field. So that's like three drives. We have not seen the Nebraska offense operate in the two-minute drill all season. Not, first of all, because they haven't had to. They're either blowing teams out or getting stomped. But actually get down the field when you need points? I was extremely impressed. This is a guy that last year... I wrote a column, I believe it was after the Illinois game, like, this guy can't see the field again. I was very, very critical of his performance because it was bad. It was really bad. And there were times where Smothers looked like clearly the better option last year. Um, you know, Smothers didn't do anything special either. Uh, but when Thompson was out, I was a big Smothers guy. I was not 
confident in Purdy's ability to throw the ball. He didn't seem comfortable in the pocket. And even when he did make some nice plays with his legs, he just looked kind of lost. A complete overhaul in this one. There, again, the points did not come. The offense stalled a little bit. What can you expect from him? I mean, that those two plays, we've seen two explosive plays all season. Other than the Sims, like, whatever, 80-yard touchdown run, whatever. That, that game was over. It doesn't matter. We've seen two explosive plays all season. He comes out on his first two drives, 55-yard touchdown, 58-yard ball down the seam to Jalen Lloyd, which is a throw that I don't think either of those two other quarterbacks can make. And Jalen Lloyd does the rest. I was extremely impressed from the beginning. The 14-0 lead felt very comfortable. Didn't hold up, and we'll get we'll dive a little more into that. But he had 274 all-purpose yards. That's more than all six of his 2022 outings combined. He didn't play a ton, but he started twice. He had oh, quite a few snaps in moments where Thompson was out or at the end of games. So to go into Camp Randall, where Nebraska hasn't won in forever, in a must-win opportunity, I, w- I thought he played and needing this groin surgery that he probably is going to have at the end of the season, laudable from him. And if he's not the starting quarterback at Iowa, I don't know what we're doing. I thought throughout the week that Harburg was going to get the start if he was healthy. Didn't seem like he was healthy. Purdy comes in. You can't, you can't throw Jeff Sims out there at this point. Purdy comes in, plays a whole game, whole 60 minutes, and doesn't turn the ball over. And they lose. The loss hurts. But the 60 minutes with no turnovers, you've got to be impressed. Because we, if, I, if I told you that a Nebraska quarterback, doesn't, not going to say who, 274 all-purpose yards, two touchdowns, zero picks, you think Nebraska wins that game? I do. So, again, he did, I'm not going to say everything he could. There were still some throws that he missed. But given the circumstances and what we've seen the rest of the quarterback room do this year, that was impressive. Let's talk about Emmett Johnson. Um, how would you grade his performance and... Are you confident in him as a lead back going forward? Uh, yeah, I think he had another solid performance. Really, he's took taken over the running back mm-hmm. number one spot from a guy like Anthony Grant, who, again, shown flashes but has trouble with turnovers, has trouble with fumbles. And from a guy who started the year as a fourth string, he's looked very strong as of late. But there's it always feels like he could get the ball more. Mm-hmm. Like that's how good he's been playing. And that's what I thought he was on that trajectory against Maryland. He had 17 carries for 84 yards, both career highs. And I was thinking against Wisconsin, against a team like that, that he will get those 17 carries again and then some. But he only finished with 13 on the day, still had 50 yards, still had great tough running down the field, especially that 18-yard run when Nebraska was trying to get in range for a field goal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think I'd probably grade it a B. But that's really not his fault. It would just be just the fact that they don't get him involved the amount of times that he probably should, especially for a team that, while, yes, the passing offense did see some sort of improvement under Purdy this game, yeah, it still was still far running. from perfect. Yeah. And it, the, run, the run game should still be the team's identity. So, yeah, I think Emmett Johnson is more than capable of being a lead back. He's shown it in his playing time in this past month so far. It's just whether or not 
they'll run more plays for him, have more plays designed for him. They started strong on that first drive. Five runs, obviously the big one. Five runs, only one pass. And I'm thinking, okay, Satterfield's finally got this, like, we just need to run the ball. And if you look at the flip side, Braylon Allen, who has been hampered by an injury for a month, had 22 carries. He didn't have any big runs. But he was consistent, and he showed up when they needed him to. Didn't do anything special. Nebraska did a solid job of limiting explosive plays from the running from the on the ground, but those short yardage carries, those short yard situations, you just hand the ball to him and let him work. That's the kind of stuff I need to see going forward with Emma Johnson. Thirteen carries in that kind of game, where it's a you know a fourteen ten game at halftime, where the offense isn't getting anything going. I just would have loved to see him get the ball more. I'm very confident in him as a lead back going forward. I think Nebraska should do as much as it can to get him to stick around next year because even with the return of the other guys, I think he's still got a chance to be that number one guy. The offensive line is you know, is improving behind him. The only thing is like you're still getting eight tackles for loss because – you're getting too weird with these screen passes and these sweeps and that, that just don't work. We haven't seen them work all year. Run the ball between the tackles. Give it to Emmett Johnson. I said before the game, I said, hey, hand the ball, hand the ball off, run the ball 40 times. 30 of them are carries to running backs. Most of them should be to Emmett Johnson. You win this game. And I think that that would have happened. On multiple possessions... They had chances to run the ball on first and second down and just didn't. This should be a run-run pass every single drive. And it's just not that way right now. And I'm not too concerned with it for the future because I think with a more dangerous quarterback, and maybe against Iowa, they watch what Purdy did and say, hey, we have to, we can't really crowd the box as much. But for now, do what you're best at. Alvano, you mentioned, missed the one before halftime, which hurts. That's not a gimme, though. But he hits that big one at the end, and as much as that is kind of being overlooked, that's a spot where Nebraska kickers <laughs> miss field goals. Right? Like, yep. this guy's clutch in November. We saw him do it in the state championship. Omaha Westside, without him, back in the state championship. But do you, like... Have you do you remember a time where we were this confident in a kicker at with the with three, 10 seconds left on the clock to nail a game tying field goal? Not really, honestly. I mean, I remember back in the 2020 COVID year, Connor Culp was Big 10 kicker of the year. I don't remember going back if there was any that many close games down that stretch. It was a very weird time for weird college year, football. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to kick when there's no yeah, fans. Yeah, no fans in the exactly. Crowd. That's kind of proven the uh, next year where yeah. he struggled immensely uh, kicking. So, yeah, I mean, talking about a guy who is a true freshman, you know, got here over the summer. Again, this, the state championships are going on right now. He was for Westside last year, and he's the reason why they won that game. Mm-hmm. He was just insane. That That's the reason he was offered a scholarship for to Nebraska was his performance in the state title game. And, again, yeah, he's going to go through his struggles. Yeah, he had that miss, but I still feel pretty confident with him going forward, especially, again, just a young guy. He'll miss some kicks here and there, but he make he made the one that mattered the most in that game. That's about all the positives I have. 
you can give a little bit of flowers to the defense for some of those late stops, but those fourth down stops were in their own territory, and that's kind of like at that point the the offense got to go the whole field anyway. There were a couple nice you know stops up front, but the one where they really needed it was in overtime. They didn't get it, so it's kind of a 50-50 for me. Defense only gave up 17 points in regulation, but felt like Wisconsin kind of had everything they wanted. Let's talk about the end-of-game management. There's been a lot of question marks about the last two weeks where against Maryland, you play it aggressive, and it doesn't pay off, you lose. Against Wisconsin, you play it conservatively, you get the points, doesn't pay off, you lose. What's kind of your evaluation of how those two games finished and if there's anything that they can take into next week in maybe a similar situation? Yeah, obviously, again, the two games, completely different ways they handled going into the their final drives of the game. Obviously, went aggressive against Maryland, didn't pay off, went, went safe against Wisconsin, were able to make the field goal go to overtime, but then ended up losing. I think that there could have been kind of a medium kind of found in there for the Wisconsin game. I feel like keep kind of the field goal in your back pocket, so to say, and just don't waste enough. Don't waste the clock down there. You know they, if, from what rule is saying, like was field goal was kind of in the mm-hmm. primary option. Then they had that play at the end of the game, uh, the play before the field goal as their touchdown play, which I don't like the play call. Yeah, it was just a fade to the end zone. I, the, the, no, there's no one on this Nebraska quarterback room that can hit a goal line fade. I don't know why we keep trying it, but. Yeah, so I think just with the, seeing the past two weeks and just seeing how each how each different take kind of paid out for them, with them both on the losing side, really just they can ke- take what they learned in those games and use that for the Iowa game. If a situation like mm-hmm. that presents itself, uh, then maybe just try to find something in the middle of that, something that, again, Alvano proved it he can make a big kick if he needs to. But maybe you have the running game with Emmett Johnson or maybe Purdy as a passer. Really just really gives them optimism going into it. It's, it's really tough because I understand his point of Maryland, they run the ball, kick the field goal. Terrapins could easily drive down and tie the game. And then you go to overtime. And you could lose in overtime like we saw against Wisconsin. Through the pick, you lose. Against Wisconsin, doesn't throw a pick. But if he does, then the qu- the questions are the same. Of like, well, you got a kicker who's clutch. Play for the, you know, go for the field goal, play conservatively. So I get the frustration there a little bit. From the fan perspective, you have to understand that this isn't in a vacuum, right? Like, against Maryland, Ovano could miss the kick. They could score a touchdown, you win. Against Wisconsin, they could score a touchdown, you win, and it's brilliant. You tie the game, your defense stuffs them on the on the fourth down play, you kick the field goal and you win, and he's and it's brilliant. So, like, I think sometimes Nebraska fans look at this as, like, after the fact a little too much because these weren't situations that were ending games with Nebraska, with the ball in Nebraska's hands. There was still an opportunity for... Wisconsin and Maryland to do their own thing on with their offense. And as much as we 
like to give credit to Nebraska's defense, you still want to end the game with the ball in your hands. You don't want to give it back to their team, even if you have an incredible defense, even if you have a defense that's played well this season. It's hard for me to feel like Chubba Purdy doesn't throw an interception there. People are like, well, it, you were playing to win. Like, he throws an interception on the goal line there. Same thing as Maryland. It's like, oh, we did it again. Why, did we, why didn't we run the ball? Why didn't we play conservatively? You're not, I mean, you're not going to run the ball six times in the red zone and, and score. They're going to they're gonna get used to it. So very up in the air on how I feel about that. End of the day, you gave your defense a chance in both situations, and they didn't, they didn't capitalize. The overtime, you got to stop them. I mean, third down twice and a fourth down, and you don't do it. That's definitely frustrating for Nebraska. Um, some more defensive negatives. They let Mordecai find holes all night. He didn't have, like, the most passing yards we've seen. It didn't really look like he was stressed out at all. He was just picking apart in the intermediate range. Will Pauling had whatever he wanted. Got injured late. Doesn't matter. He, you know, just runs across the middle, hits him, runs at five more yards. It was over and over and over. Couldn't really get pressure up front. I, it's hard to say that it's a bad defensive performance because they only gave 17 points in, in regulation. I don't really count overtime because it's a totally different situation. But I think that's their worst defensive performance. I mean, the Michigan State one was bad, but it was more explosive plays that just were kind of miscommunications. Wisconsin kind of just worked their way down the field, and even on those drives where they stopped them on fourth down, they got all the way down into the 30, the 35, the 40, and then they were like, yeah, but Nebraska offense is not going to be able to do anything. We're already in, you know, plus territory. So they went for it. They convert those fourth downs. This is easily – they easily could give up 30 points in this game. I wasn't very impressed. What, what was your kind of feeling about the defense post game? Because a little bit of regression from last week. Maybe it's the home crowd. Who knows? Yeah, I felt the same way. Like you said, Wisconsin really just had its way against their against the Nebraska defense. And – Tony White was speaking to the press today. He was saying that he was taking accountability for it. He was saying that he wasn't letting them play loose on third down as much, which led to Mordecai, usually with his legs, not even his arm, just really mm -hmm. having its way, uh, being able to uh, convert on third downs. But, yeah, it was just a very uninspired performance. And, again, like they had their good plays. They had their fourth down stops. But it was just too late for those really – given the Nebraska offense, how hard it is for them to Drive score. 70 yards. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, it was just, especially going off from the Maryland game where they really only, obviously the last drive of the game, again, the let-up, similar to the Minnesota game week one, but in during the ga actual game, they really only got beat twice, and it was those two back-to-back -back plays in the second quarter where Maryland scored a touchdown. Mm -hmm. But this game, there wasn't really any of those big plays, that no. those bang-bang plays that, they were just on the other side of. It was just the Wisconsin offense just looked better against the Nebraska defense, and that's really the most simple way to put it. It was weird, and you got to give credit to Wisconsin coaching staff for adjusting there because it they looked bad early. Mm -hmm. Like Mordecai had some some questionable throws. Running game couldn't get going. You're like, it's 14-0. Nebraska's driving. Then they get that fourth and one stop, and all of a sudden the offense is like, yeah, we're going to show up now. I, they showed up later than the students showed up, but <laughs> – it still worked out for them. 
7 of 15 for third down on third down and that's not including the times where they were playing for fourth down anyway. So it's like yeah, that you stopped them four times on third down but they went for it on fourth and got two of those, right? So more of like 11 for 15 on third down. I would yeah, that was not great. I I don't have a ton of words for that, but you got to play better against Iowa. They're not going to be able to move the ball like that on you, which we'll talk about in a little bit. If there's any of this Deacon Hill throwing over the middle, five yards, ten yards, wide receiver makes a move and he's got 15, it's going to be a it's going to be a long day, especially against that defense. Let's talk about press conferences so far. So rule talked on Monday. I went to that. Players, coordinators talk today. What were some of your biggest takeaways from today? The biggest news, Ty Robinson's coming back. That was huge news because Rule had kind of talked about on Monday, yeah, guys want to come back, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You say, I mean, every coach is going to say that. Today it came to fruition. What were some of your other bigger takeaways from, from today's press conferences? Um, yeah, obviously the Ty Robinson news is huge. Really a guy who's really developed not only throughout his career, but just this season alone. He's been playing the best football of his career the past month. So it's really big name to be coming back next year. Really gives you optimism that other guys who can have the extra year might be coming back. But, yeah, I mean, obviously this week being a rivalry game against a team that these players they might respect but they don't like. <laughs> and with bowl eligibility on the line, it's the last chance for that, last chance for some seniors who are either going, choosing not to come back or just don't have the chance to come back. Last chance for them to make a bowl game. So it was very, I guess the tone in the press conference was very like, we got to get it done. It wasn't wasn't as like lighthearted or anything like mm-hmm. that, unless they're talking about like their senior years, their past careers. But as for this week, it's very, they're very driven on this matchup. Uh, one thing that kind of stood out is they asked Tony White about how he's being brought up in mm-hmm. head coaching conversations, whether it's, Syracuse or San Diego State and stuff like that. I just he had a very humble answer to that, saying that, well, he wasn't the one getting sacks. He isn't the one making these tackles. He really gave credit to the players, the assistant coaches, Coach Rule. Uh, he said that they asked him about again Rule kind of advocating for him to take the best job available. He said he's never felt never had a coach that had done that for him. So really kind of shows a lot about the culture here at Nebraska, but. Obviously, with this game on Friday, that's going to be the main the main mm-hmm. thing that really proves it, you know. Yeah, it, it's such a – because if you beat Iowa, who the playoff rankings are coming out here soon, but they're going to be pretty high because they were pretty high last week. They were a lot higher in the playoff rankings than the AP rankings, and a couple teams above them lost. They're going to be pretty high. You upset them at home for the first time in a long time and then make a bowl game. It's like, oh, rule fix the problem. The the culture's solved. Nebraska's back. They're going to a bowl game. The future's bright. They're going to bring in so many great recruits. You lose. It's like, oh, we suck. You know, rule doesn't really know what he's doing. Questionable play calling. Questionable game management. The players just aren't good. Like, it's it comes down to this game. I think a little bit of the last three weeks has been this. Well, we could do bigger things, right? Like, what's the goal? For this team. I think going into this season, the goal was win or get to a bowl game. That was the, like, you have, I don't even want to say, 
it almost seems like it's just meeting expectations, which is a little strange to me because preseason, the expectations weren't very high. But again, the expectations are always to win a bowl game here at Nebraska. So they make a bowl game. You're meeting expectations. Some would say exceeding expectations, and you're on the right path at least. The last few weeks, it's like, well, okay, so if Iowa loses and and Wisconsin loses and Minnesota loses and and Nebraska wins and Northwestern takes care of business against Illinois and then Illinois beats Iowa, it's like, oh, the Big Ten West is still in play. As much as that's fun to speculate, I do think it hurts the team a little bit because it, you're looking forward to like, okay, we got to beat Wisconsin so that we have a chance to beat Iowa next week. You got to beat Wisconsin so you can make a bowl game because nothing's guaranteed against Iowa. So now it comes down to bowl game, no bowl game. Iowa's already clinched. This time it's Nebraska with all the pressure. Last year, mm-hmm. Iowa had to win the game. They lost. This time it's Nebraska who has to win the game. They're going to have to figure out a way to not have that same you know, looseness that Iowa's going to play with. Because Iowa's, I mean, a 10-win versus 9-win season is not a big difference. They're going to get blasted by Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten Championship anyway, which they probably already know deep down. So they're just playing for fun now at this point. They're playing for, you know, hopefully a New Year's Six Bowl game, go 10-2, and finish the year off strong, beat a rival in their own house to send them home. Iowa's going to be playing loose. It's not going to mean as much for them. So if Nebraska can channel that inner determination, I think they've got a pretty solid chance. But the last few weeks, it's like, okay, so Michigan State, long losing streak. We've got this one in the bag. We clinch a bowl game this week, and then we push for the Big Ten West. That doesn't work out. Okay, Maryland, they've been struggling lately. Like, you know, they're, they've lost four straight. So we win this one. We're going to get to a bowl game and then figure out the Big Ten West. Okay, that didn't work out. Uh, Wisconsin, they've been really bad this year. They're, they're, they're not good. Luke Fickle and Weir, one's not working out. They're 5-5. Five and five. Fan base is checked out. And a lot of the part of this is on the media and us as well. I'm not saying this is what the team exactly is thinking. But that's the narrative, right? And the, and the players understand that narrative. And now it's like you win, you you make it to a bowl game or you're sitting on your couch for the rest of December and January. So it comes down to this week. I'm excited for the game. I think Nebraska has a great chance to win this one. I've said it the last three weeks. Iowa is not that good. <laughs> like, they are not that good of a team. They just find ways to win. Let's talk about this matchup. What's kind of your expectation for this one? I know we joke around like 3-2, 6-4. That's a real possibility. I saw the over-unders like 26 now. That's the lowest in college football history. We're in, for, we're in for a good one. Yeah, I mean, again, as much as we joke around, but I do think it could be a low-scoring affair. I mean, Obviously, Nebraska's offense hasn't been the best scoring-wise this year. Iowa's has been even worse. And, again, it's just – Two teams each have great defenses. Iowa's hasn't been as elite as years past, but mm-hmm. they still have one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. So, so does Nebraska. So I, can, I see this being very defensive heavy. It's going to come down to a turnover battle, I believe. Where I mean, I, Nebraska had one turnover last week and still wasn't good mm-hmm. enough. But I think Iowa against a team like Iowa, you know, if they still have one turnover, they're looking pretty good, I feel like. Yeah. So it's going to be just – it's going to be Big Ten West football. It's fitting for the last week of Big Ten West football. I think this is going to be just one of those low-scoring matchups. We've seen some crazy outcomes in this game. The Logan Smothers game where he came out in the first half looked great, and then the block punt and the safety and all that. 
Then last year, Trey Palmer just, I mean, he he woke up pissed off. What can you say? Maybe maybe Jalen Lloyd, maybe Malachi Coleman gets wakes up pissed off. Maybe Chubba Purdy wakes up pissed off on Friday morning for an 11 a.m. kick here at Memorial. But like you said, turnover battle, turnover battle, turnover battle. I was not that good at forcing turnovers compared to previous years. They're not, they don't rely as much on the turnovers. They're also not winning by as big of margins. You look at their last couple Big Ten West games. Illinois by two, beat Northwestern by three, lost to Minnesota by two, beat Wisconsin by nine, a huge win. <laughs> Purdue by six. This is going to be a game that comes down to one turnover on either side of the ball, whether that's a Deacon Hill pick, a fumble, you know, Anthony Grant gets in for a couple snaps, drops a ball, Chubba Purdy makes a wrong read. It's going to come down to the turnovers. I don't think either side's going to turn the ball over five times. I think with Purdy under center, from what I've seen so far, his rate of turn <laughs> – if you look at the quarterback's rate of turnovers per snap, Sims is like probably like 80% at this point. And yeah, not really, but like it feels like that. Harburg's up there. Purdy has played a full game and a series and only two, inter- two interceptions. And overtime. So I think it's going to come down to that. The Iowa offense is really bad, man. I, I would be shocked if they score more than 14 points. I say that every week, though. <laughs> and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they don't. And it doesn't matter because Nebraska can't put up points. But I'm the most confident I've been in Nebraska offense all season. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm the same as well. As feels like Purdy finally is at least somewhat competent as the signal caller. Again, just probably going up pretty much a whole game without turning the ball over. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah, we I mean, we're used to seeing three to four, even five turnovers a game. So I think just with Purdy proving not to be turnover prone yet, uh, just li- gives a lot to look forward to. Given the nature of the Wisconsin game, the turnovers, not having a lot of turnovers didn't really help out just because the defense wasn't getting three and outs. I think that's been the biggest problem this year is like the defense will get a three and out and the offense turns it right back over and they have to run back out there. The, against Wisconsin, defense wasn't doing that. But if you look at every other game that Nebraska's played this season, outside of Michigan, even Colorado, like a couple less turnovers changes the outcome directly. And so if Purdy's that guy to take it from, hey, that's three turnovers against Iowa to one turnover against Iowa, that could be the difference between seven points and zero points, and that could be the difference in the game. Iowa's offense is not good. Deacon Hill is averaging 88 passing yards a game. It's less than Harburg. Their rushing offense is much better, 120 yards per game. Nebraska has a 60 more yards per game on the ground, and the passing offense is just marginally better, but still it's better. Nebraska's offense has been horrible this year. So why would we expect Iowa's to do anything against a really stout defense? It's one of the toughest they've played in, in quite a while. You know, outside of Penn State, they really haven't had that really stout defensive team. Northwestern was solid, but a 10-7, to 7, that's nothing too crazy. So, I mean, if Iowa scores 10 points in this one, I think Nebraska's got a good chance. The passing offenses have been, have been their downfall this year, especially against in the last three and, and against Colorado. But the just kind of over-the-middle stuff against Michigan State, the downfield shots against Maryland, and the 
just meticulous working down the field against Wisconsin. Iowa can't do any of those things. Like let's put <laughs> let's let's make that very clear right now. Iowa is not going to beat you offensively. The only way Nebraska loses this game is if they beat themselves. They turn it over on you know turnovers in their own red zone or in their own uh, but you know back backed up in their own territory or special teams gaffes or missed field goals. Like that is what this game's going to come down to. We already know that. I mean, we've seen it happen so many times. And this Iowa game is just the Big Ten West all balled up into one in the finale. They're pretty solid, like, against the pass, but Nebraska's actually better against the run defensively. So, again, run the ball on them. Don't allow them to turn the ball over many times. It's the worst worst offense Nebraska's faced all year. And this is the same defense that held Maryland to 13, held Wisconsin to 17 in the regulation, you know, held, you know, under 20 points since Michigan. I, I genuinely, I, I, I don't know if I can pick Nebraska to win this game, but I think they have a very, very, very good chance in front of a home crowd because the defense has played much better in front of that home crowd. It's going to come down to these weird plays. And that's my concern, especially with how bad the punting has been lately. Like, against Wisconsin, Bushini had a couple stinkers. Like, there was that net 12-yard one. Then there was the, like, net 17-yard one. There was the one where he punted a line drive and it got returned for 25 yards. Like, you just can't be doing that against Iowa. They don't have Cooper DeGene. That is a huge loss for them. But you never know if if that's even going to matter. Because Wisconsin lost their top safety last week mid-game and still wasn't able to throw the ball in the second half. So I'm optimistic for this game if I'm Nebraska. I'm not confident. I think that's the big difference. But it comes down to this one. What's your what's your outlook for this? Does Nebraska have a chance? Yeah, I think Nebraska has a chance. And again, it's just going to go down to if, they're, if they don't beat their own selves. Mm-hmm. I mean... You kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's going to be a low-scoring game. We all know that. We we know that Iowa's offense is going to struggle against Nebraska's defense. It's just the matter if the off if Nebraska's offense can get the ball, get the job done, keep the ball on theirs in their hands, not in Iowa's. Attack the running game. Again, just limit turnovers. Be able to set, like you said, with special teams, make the kicks have good punts, it's all going to come down to just how Nebraska executes their game plan. And, yeah, it's just going to be a hard-fought matchup. Last year, it came down to a couple of explosive plays. I know it was a big lead earlier for Nebraska, but that big deep ball, the Palmer, a couple other big plays. And that was a really bad Nebraska defense. Now, they were playing much better under Bill Bush at the time, but nowhere near the production we've seen this year. And that was enough. If they can do that, I mean, you start 14-0 against Iowa, I don't see I don't see a world where they lose. I'm going to be completely honest. I, you start the same way you start against Wisconsin. Now, it's a much better defense, so they probably won't. You start 14-0 against Iowa, I think you win that game. And I would almost be go as far as say you do win that game. I don't think Iowa's going to be able to put up 14 points, especially not consecutively without Nebraska scoring again. I haven't made my prediction yet. I'm still still going very far back and forth. 
I believe in this offense more than I believed in it all year, which gives me some, you know, optimism going into this one if I'm Matt Rule. But then again, the pressure, senior day, got to have it. Iowa's playing loose. That might play into it a little bit more. Haven't decided yet. Those predictions will come out on the site later today. But that's about all I have for football. Long discussion. Before we get out of here, I just want to touch on soccer real quick. What a weekend. What a weekend for all Husker sports, let's be completely honest. Men's basketball we won't touch on because neither of us were at the game. But a big win over Oregon State. And Nebraska soccer, Friday night, huge win over Tennessee. That's a That was a good Tennessee team. They got kind of lucky. Tennessee goalkeeper slipped and kicked the ball, and then it was put in, and then they went tied it up 1-1. And then last-minute goal from Ella Gaia. Is that, is that how you yep, pronounce Gaia. it? Yep, uh, That unlikely, unlikely score puts it in the final minute. They win there. And then they kind of end UC Irvine's Cinderella streak, hammer them 4-0 on Sunday in a very, very cold, rainy, gross game. So they're going to the semi or the Elite Eight. Elite Eight. So is that the, be the quarterfinals, I guess. So Elite Eight, playing Stanford on Friday, which is a very, very busy day for Husker Athletics. Football at 11 a.m., volleyball at 3, I believe, and then soccer at 4. Is that right? I think so, yep. Yikes. That's going to be a fun day for us. It'll be a fun day for all Husker fans. Anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, I mean, this Nebraska soccer team is just getting hot at the perfect time. Obviously, again, big 4-0 win against UC Irvine. Team that really kind of did the dirty work mm-hmm. for Nebraska to get there. It's going to be a tough matchup against Stanford, who hasn't lost a game all season. I did not know that. Yeah, they're like uh, 18-0-4, I think. Well, that's not uh, good. So... And they also they haven't uh, given up a goal all tournament. Oh, no. But if there's anyone to do that, it's Eleanor it's Dale. Absolutely, twenty eight goals on the season, including two on that Sunday. Is wild, dude. program record. And I mean, it's just it's gonna be a great game. It's gonna be a big challenge, but it'll be fun to see if the Huskers can do it and just continue on their insane season. It's too bad that's not here because I think that would be a lot of fun. But that Friday. There's too much sports going on. Oh, boy, it's going to be a fun one for us. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week to recap it all. There's going to be a lot of events to go over, so we hope you'll join us then and kind of talk through it with us. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you then.